Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to someone about the male perspective on anxiety in general, and on raising anxious kids. Because sometimes, not always, but sometimes there is a different a different outlook and a different approach and a different perspective to anxiety, depending on whether you're looking at it from the male or female perspective. Not always, but I thought it would be good to invite a dad on the show. And so I invited Jason over from daduniversity.com. So Jason has a website, he has a podcast, and he has a really cool YouTube channel. And he speaks and talks to dads about raising their kids. And he talks about all sorts of things. It's just that I always talk about anxiety. So I hope you enjoy our chat. And I hope that he can give you a different perspective on maybe how some of you or your partners view anxiety and view parenting an anxious kid. So definitely check out his website at daduniversity.com. And before we get into my interview with Jason, I also want to remind you that I'm trying to focus on Instagram. And so you will see more activity from me over there. You can follow me at anxious toddlers. It's not about toddlers, but that's my name. And hopefully you are still following me in all the other areas. So without further ado, let's talk to Jason. Well, I want to welcome Jason from dad university to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, we are going to get all into anxiety from the male perspective, which I think is always a really good topic because I think sometimes we look at things differently depending on our perspective. (laughs) But before we get in, can you just tell everyone a little bit about you and your work? Yeah, so I I run Dad University and Dad University basically is um, just a resource to help dads learn what they're not taught in school. And so I started it out of my own frustrations. Um, a couple of years ago, I was, you know, I had had my second child and really didn't know kind of how to do things. I, I had my gut instinct. I had my own parents, which I actually came from great parents. But gut and my, the other experience really wasn't working for me. I, I, I did feel stressed. I felt anxiety. I felt a lot of things. And just kind of sought out answers. And that's where I started a podcast. And actually, right before that, I'd started a meetup group and then started a podcast. And then about a year and a half ago, started doing videos and putting those on YouTube and and just really kind of answering a lot of the questions that I had. And then talking about the experiences of how things improved for me based on what I did and the journey that I was going through. And it just really resonated with people and kind of kept doing that. And so that's, that's where I am now. And so that's kind of the mission is to just provide education and, and experience of, of the things that, you know, people, I, and I think dads have a lot of difficulty. They do. And it's great to see some of these dad resources out there because they're few and far between where, yeah. you know, dads can get support instead of like this mom blogger world that I think is dominating. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it was funny. And I, and I noticed it right away when I, I was taking my first parenting class, my wife had introduced me to a parenting class, which is funny. I just actually saw my mentor this morning. Uh, we were dropping, she, she had her, her grandkid and it was my child. We were uh, dropping them off at the same camp. 
And uh, so I happened to see her and it was just, it was amazing. And I, I took my first class from her and really that's where it started. But I noticed that there just wasn't many men. And then I started, I did instructor training to get the instructor, you know, to be able to teach the classes and there was no men. Um, and then when I went to a parenting conference, there was very little men. And I just, it kind of hit me that yes, maybe a lot of men aren't interested in these topics, but at the same time, I, I think there's, there's a need for some change and there's some need for kind of changing the narrative, uh, that, that a lot of people have. And I, and I think it is changing. I really do. I think the younger generation is paying attention a little bit more. And so I think that's great news, you know, and I, and I want to help them and be supportive of that. So. Yeah. And I, I do see a shift happening and, and I think some men do want the support, but they want to be talked to in a different way or they want mm-hmm. to get that support maybe from another man. Uh, yeah. I know like predominantly, I think women listen to my podcast and follow my work, but I know I do have a lot of dads. And I think some of that with my work is because it's about anxiety and OCD and it's more of a desperation thing of like, I need some information. And so I'm going to seek it out. But yeah, and men, men will have a tendency to wait longer <laughs> than women yeah. will. So, you know, it's like whether it's divorce or it's something wrong with their child or whatever, you know, men will probably have a tendency to, to wait longer. They're, yeah. they're, they won't be as active or actually they won't take as much action or the sooner as, as soon as a woman would. So, you know, yeah. And they want their women on that one, you know, yes. they have, they've got the better hand on that one. So. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's explore anxiety from your perspective. Um, I thought maybe first we can dive into your own experience with anxiety, because I think that our own experiences play so much in our views and our views of parenting, whether we have anxious kids or not, it impacts our parenting. And um, yeah. So let's, let's just talk about that first. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, I, maybe I didn't recognize it as anxiety because maybe we didn't use that terminology, but you know, growing up, I was um, very concerned about achievement and very concerned about, you know, always excelling and whether it was in sports and my grades. And, and I, and I, I recall having a lot of angst about that. Maybe that was a word that I used at the time versus anxiety because I didn't know that word. Um, but I remember being nervous a lot. I remember, you know, feeling very concerned and worrying a lot about those things, even as a kid. And it probably wasn't until I was coming kind of in my twenties, uh, just out of college where I actually kind of labeled it. Um, there was a, a, an audio program called attacking anxiety and I had spoke with my parents about it and they, they rec- my mother recommended that. And I listened to that and it, it made sense. I, and that was kind of the first time I realized, I said, maybe that is what I, I'm dealing with. And so I just, I think at that point, I sort of then understood that, hey, this is something that I'm going to have to work with. So even from then on, or from then on, I, I started learning techniques of how to manage that. And that was everything from meditation um, to my diet. Uh, I was, you know, I already was exercising, but really just taking care of myself. And I feel like it helped um, to a certain extent. And then, you know, kind of as you go on and, you know, things come in your 30s and, and, and I, I'm now in my 40s, um, you just, you kind of learn how to deal with things a little better. And I've always been a seeker. So I've always sought out solutions to it. So just 
reading, learning techniques on how to manage things better, patience. You know, these are all things that I've tried to use. Um, but there's no question. I mean, I'm a high strung, high energy, you know, that, and that comes with it. And so yeah. some of it was, I think, just embracing that that's kind of who I am. And then how can I work with this? You know, it, it's, it, and I think that's, that's what I've been able to do. Yeah. And you're bringing up some good points because I think one, I think sometimes boys more than girls, I'm going to totally stereotype. So obviously this is not for we everybody. Do it all the time. It's, yeah. it's fine. I mean, yeah. there are outliers, so you don't have to email me about this, but, um, <laughs> You know, I think that it's it's more likely that you'll have a boy who will like um, stuff it, and so they'll get the physical symptoms, and that's normally when they're like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on? Like, I'm having stomach aches, I'm feeling nauseous, I'm feeling tremory, I'm getting headaches. What is this?" And then they go work backwards, and they're like, "Oh, it's anxiety." I think also, kind of from what you were just saying, men more than women. If I was again to stereotype, obviously you have your women who are like this too we're afraid to put the label anxiety on there. Like I'll have dads that I work with and you can tell that they, they're totally on board when I'm working with them in my therapy sessions until I mention anxiety and they don't like that word. Um, they'll kind of normalize it. Well, don't, don't we all have like worries and right. it's the, it's the diagnostic um, label that I think some men don't, don't like. And I think it's because like what you said, they see it as all negative. They see anxiety as a disorder instead of the positive traits that actually do come with an anxious person too. Right. Yeah. And, and I tried to focus on a lot of that. It's, you know, kind of embracing the fact that, you know, I get things done and embracing the fact that I'm on time yeah. and embracing some of, some of those things that absolutely come with it. I will say, it, um, you know, there are certain elements of it that I, I wish I didn't have. You know, I wish I was more okay with not being on time, or I wish I was okay with, um, you know, the fact that I didn't get something done that I thought I should have gotten done and sort of that self-acceptance and being able to do that. So that comes over time where, you know, I think the techniques help, you know, whether it is breathing or meditation, you know, for me, I exercise every morning and, you know, there's, there's things that I now do that, that I think I would be much more I would, I would be in a much worse state if I didn't do these things. Um, yeah. you know, and I think it's a muscle. I, I talk about that a lot on my own stuff is when you start to do these techniques and you, and you practice, it, it is like a muscle and it's not something that changes, you know, you can't build a muscle overnight. It, it is something that takes time and you get better and better at it. And the key is you, you, it's not that you don't feel it anymore. You know, it's not that I don't, I mean, I wear a, a heart or a, you know, a heartbeat, uh, monitor on my on my wrist to know I can now feel it and I can so it's not that I don't experience it the difference is is that I can recognize it and get over it quicker and, yeah. and that to me has been that's really what the management of it is it's not that you're not going to ever experience it anymore but it's like oh okay what am I feeling oh my heart rate's increasing I'm breathing heavier. I'm getting a little nervous. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling anxious and worried about this. Let's, let's take a step back. Like, you know, and you just self-talk and I, I have found that that's worked really well, at least for me. You know? Yeah. And you bring up a good point, self-talk, because one thing that I've noticed, well, let me just back up really quick. So I think for, for guys in general, um, for those that are listening that are struggling with their partners, I think getting dads or boyfriends or whatever to realize that 
having anxiety is a physiological issue. It's highly genetic. It doesn't mean your child is wimpy or not brave or there's some like deficit with them. Like there's all these beautiful things that come with it. Um, like you said, like I am super diligent, you know, I'm an anxious person and um, I'm so reliable. (laughs) Well, even before we were talking, like I wanted to make sure the lighting was good and the sound is like, (laughs) that's like, that's part of it. You know, that's part of that personality. Now you can do that and still be really mellow, but I find that it kind of goes hand in hand. So yeah. And yeah. of course my anxious personality totally appreciates that. Cause I'm like, Oh good. <laughs> He's worried about the lighting. So I don't have to like worry about it for him. <laughs> right. But right. It's, the, it's the negative aspects of anxiety that I try to teach dads that that's what we're attacking. So we're not attacking the whole beast. We're only attacking the component that it, you know, anxiety can easily flip where it's a positive until it's a negative. And most of the people that listen to me, it's more negative than positive because they're putting out fires right now with their kids. Yeah. And you brought up something that was really interesting because I find that with guys, like the, the boys and teens that I work with, they are okay. And even the, the dads and their expectations and even, even the, the um, male anxiety experts that I listen to, I have to say, they'll focus on physical things. So they are totally comfortable talking about diet, exercise, meditation, mindfulness. They don't mm-hmm. ever talk about the core fears, how to change their thoughts. Like, I feel like those are less comfortable, you know, as far as how to, how to attack, you know, not caring what people think. Um, those elements, I feel like sometimes are missing in the conversation when it comes to anxiety. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, who wants to go there? Those are, those are deep. (laughs) I do. Those are, those are are deep areas. I don't want to be vulnerable. You know, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, of course, that's what we talk about is, you know, some of, some of those mindful, you know, the mindfulness is a big topic that we deal with all the time. You know, for me, a lot of times the the physical is the gateway to that, you know, and so it is why I meditate or it is why I do breathing exercises or, or such as because it then brings me and allows me to think about the mental stuff. Um, because to go right into it's tough, you know, it, I mean, it, it, it's almost like those things are the um, you know, the, the beer so that I can go on the dance floor or, you know, I mean, some, yeah. like it's, it's the ability to loosen up. And so, you know, I feel great after I exercise. And so I may be more open to, to discussing that. Um, I, yeah. I find that for me, the physical actually helps then open up. And, and, and that's, do that. that's a good point. Yeah. And, and those things are awesome. You know, I feel like those are good, um, like ancillary things to do you know, mm-hmm. but, and I always say though, if you don't like cut the fuel line, you know, then you're just basically a firefighter at this point. So <laughs> it's like finding the source of the fire, which really is the core fears. But I, I come up against that all the time with sure. the boys that I work with that they are very frustrated. They want me to fix their anxiety or OCD and they're, you know, they're very intelligent. And so they just want to know, like, give me the tools and they want to talk about breathing and they're okay with like, you know, meditation or mindfulness. But the minute I get into those core fears, they're kind of like, I don't have any, you know, right. it's just physical. <laughs> and I think that has to do with the vulnerability, like you said. Yeah. So I yeah. think yeah, and, and, and the big, the big part of self-acceptance too, you know, of um, like you said, of, of admitting the things that you're, you know, whether you fail or, and so a lot of what I'll talk about are those things. I mean, it's mistakes that I've made. Um, my concern about, you know, making sure everything's perfect or how is it going to look if I'm doing this or that, you know? Yeah. Those are, 
those are some big ones and it's, and it is hard. It's hard for everybody, but I think it's especially, especially hard for men. It is. It, whether it's, uh, appears weak or, you know, um, there's some sort of negative, uh, connotation with it. I think that's why we just don't go there, you know? And I think that's the core issue. I think it's the perception. And so whether it is working with a kid who's a guy who has these um, societal pressures on him, or whether it's a dad who has a child who has anxiety or a boy who has anxiety, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the resistance that, that women are finding with their partners about anxiety is just that. It's like, it's like vulnerability by proxy. It's like, I don't want to be vulnerable for my son. I don't want my son to be vulnerable. That's uncomfortable too. Right. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, I think it's hard to get people to do things they don't want to do, you know? Yeah. And so that, I mean, that is the conversation to have. It's like, you know, I, I get a question often from women is how do I get my husband to do X, Y, Z? How can I get, and, and that is a tough one because, you know, we do things either out of fear or greed often, you know? And so a man has to real, like has to think, well, what's in it for me? You know, like, why, why would I do that? That's not going to help me in any way, but in reality, it would obviously. Um, and so that's a lot of the conversation that we're having is this is what I experienced. This is what I went through. And now look at me on the other side. You know, I can kind of think of this in the same way that I looked at grief, you know, in grief counseling, when my mother passed away, I was like, I'm not going to go to some person and talk about this stuff. And it was my father who went and said, listen, look, this was really helpful for me. This is what I experienced. I was like, okay, I'll go, you know? Um, And it, and I think that if we can have those kind of conversations about anxiety and the fact that, Hey, no, I, I deal with this and here's what I've done. And here's how I now am on the other side. Then a man has to look at it and say, well, maybe, maybe I could do that. You know, maybe, maybe that would be good for me, but it is very difficult to, you know, make somebody do something that they're just not interested in doing. It um, is. It is. And trying yeah. to get them to have a conversation about it or admit it. Cause you know, I think sometimes in defense, people want to then put blame on it. And so it might be you, you coddle him too much. You know, he's not like that with me when I have him, he's not <laughs> like that. I hear that all the time. And it, how, how do you think just as a dad yourself, how, how should parents or women actually approach that when, when their partner's just looking it's really, I mean, you know where it's coming from. It's coming from that vulnerability and that defensiveness, but they want to place the blame. And a lot of times it it's placed firmly on the mom. Yeah. I I think one of the techniques that I've used and that I feel like is really strong is positive reinforcement. So if a woman sees any glimpse of him being vulnerable or him um, expressing how he feels or anything that she sees as that positive in that direction, she has to make a big deal about it. You know, uh, thank you so much for sharing that with me. That was just, that was so amazing. And I really appreciate like, because men especially love positive reinforcement. And I mean, everybody does, but you're going to receive those uh, behaviors repeat if you do that positive reinforcement. I think that's, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a tough, it's a tough discussion that, you know, to sit down and the other can be, you know, maybe in the beginning, it, although you don't want it to eventually be this way, but for our family, you know, like this is not just important. It's important for you, but it's important for our family. It's important for our children. 
how, you know, and asking the question, how can I make it okay for you to feel comfortable? You know, is, is it talking to somebody else? You know, instead of talking to me, would it be helpful to, for you to go talk to a professional or somebody else instead, you know, maybe the, the, he's not comfortable disclosing it to her. Yeah. Um, oh, so I, I think, think, I think part of it might be asking that question, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think some of them just the going to a professional, like that's like, you might as well just cut my head off. <laughs> like the worst. I feel like sometimes when I see dads in my office, they're kind of like, like the, the death walk, like, you know, they come in and they're just like, going I, to the vet. Yeah. Yes. Like <laughs> this is like the worst dentist appointment I've ever experienced, you know? And, and the first thing I do, which I think, I think moms can do too, is just normalize it and take the burden off of them. Because I right. think you're right. Like guys, like human beings like to hear praise, but I think men have this, a lot of men have this pride that like they're responsible for things that they're not even responsible for. I think sometimes there's a lot of personalization to it and just being like, this is a physical thing and it's not, it's not a weakness. And in fact, this is the first thing I always say to dads, there are beautiful things about your anxious kid. Let's start with that. You know, so there's pride there, you know, like, Oh, I actually have a special kid, you know, he cries about going to school every single day and it's a nightmare, but he's empathetic. He's kind hearted, you know, getting them to lower that guard and see the positives first. Right. Yeah. And I would imagine you see the huge dynamic and personality of the parents where, like you said, the mom is one way and the father is a completely different way. And the child behaves differently when they're around each one of those children or when they're around the parent, you know, if he's with his dad, he seems fine and he doesn't have that sort of angst. But then when he's with his mom, he's able to do that and she caters to it or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's differences like that that you see all the time. Yeah. I mean, we all parent differently and it brings out different things in our kids. I have had quite a few families where the dynamic is reverse. And so I, I have worked where the, the father is the empathetic one. He's the one with anxiety and it's the mom who's impatient and frustrated based out of her own knowledge. That's, that's less common, but I, I can just think of quite a few families, sure. you know, who have that. So there is that I just want to mention. Yeah. yeah. But I, I wonder as a parent, like as a father, what role do you think they can play? I don't know if your kids have any. How old are your kids? I So I have a, well, he's turning 11 tomorrow, son, um, and then a nine-year-old daughter. Okay, so they're older. Do you, do you struggle sometimes with anxious thoughts with them? Yes. Well, so my, I think my son, um, I worry a little, as I have anxiety, <laughs> um, I worry a little bit more about him. Um, and so we've had a lot of conversations. We've talked with people and he's, he's done some work um, of, of dealing with some of that anxiety. And he has a very similar personality that I did. And I, and I remember as a kid um, being very similar to him, you know, he wants to achieve and he, you know, and so it absolutely has affected my and my wife's style of parenting. Um, because we don't push him at all. You know, if anything, yeah. it's less and saying, no, you, that's enough. You know, that's fine. Um, and, and so it definitely has affected the, our parenting and he, you know, he's done amazing things and he's now, you know, he's, he's able to open up and he's able to talk about it. And he's, so he's done some work with it. Um, a very smart child, you know, and, and so, but it's something that we deal with and, and, it, and it's something that I'm conscious of a lot because as much as my anxiety and that, like we talked about all the positive things, 
it's caused me high blood pressure, you know, stomach issues, yeah. you know, uh, blood pressure medication, you know, like in the past, yeah. I went through all of that and that, that, that wasn't a positive thing for me. And so, you know, always striving and driving and moving, never satisfied. And that kind of, which was, which I thought was part of being successful, um, had nothing to do with happiness, but it was part of being successful. It just didn't work out that, it, that well, you know, I, that road that I went on thinking that was the right road, it, it didn't work out that well. So I, I am very conscious about how we do things with him more so than my daughter, who's more like my wife and a little bit more carefree. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not going to have that problem. Um, but I watch it, you know, I watch it and I watch what he's doing. So, yeah, I think it's great that you're able to use your own experience because you can empathize, like, you know what he's going through oh, and yeah. then, and then alter your parenting so that you can foster a different way for him to think, you know, yeah. hanging up those bees and being like, that was your best effort. That's awesome. You know, like celebrating effort instead of, you know, the end result which is, yeah. He'll, he'll, and that's, and that's how I was as a kid is like, my parents didn't have to, you know, come down on me for anything. I mean, if I didn't get a good grade, I was horrified. And yet my parents were the ones saying, no, no, that's great. You worked hard on that. You know, I mean, they, they use those techniques. I, I don't know how much it worked. Um, because maybe there was other roots, you know, of it, but, um, I, yeah, I'm definitely conscious when it comes to parenting with him. So. Yeah. And I think, I think people can go either way. I, I think I just did a podcast a couple of episodes ago about like childhood and how our childhood impacts raising, raising kids in general, but like, especially our anxious kids, because I see it going both ways. I think sometimes you look at your kid and you're like, that's a mini me. And <laughs> sometimes I have dads that come in my office and they, they're just reliving their childhood. Like, I think they forgot that there's a little human being in front of them and they're not like literally in the office, but they, they're over identifying to the point where they kind of want to swoop in and just make it a smooth ride. You know, I don't want you to go through anything. So I'm going to make sure you don't have to be anxious. Oh, you don't like football. Don't, you don't have to play. Oh, you don't like that school. We'll just change your school versus the other way. I see two different types of parents, you know, where they're like, I totally get it. And I'm going to really help you in the way that maybe I didn't even get help. Um, Maybe my parents didn't even know they could help me in this way. Yeah, the things like you touched on, um, we are very conscious of uh, of also though allowing those things to happen because for me, resilience and that kind of stuff is really important. So, you know, I didn't have much adversity when I was a kid. I mean, kind of grew up in this really nice environment and had loving parents, and we didn't ha- we didn't really go through that much. And I don't think that that helps. Um, because then as I get older and things happen, it becomes devastating and you don't really have that resiliency. So in those kinds of instances, I, I, I just recently did a video, you know, called, you know, let your child fail. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what it was. It's, it's, you have to let them fall down and get back up. And, you know, you can certainly be there and, and if they need some encouragement, but there's a lot to be said about that. And so, um, yeah, which you have to balance that pretty well when you have a child that has anxiety, you know, where, where it can spiral, uh, you know. And get it's, I think it can be really effective. I think it's great. I agree. I feel like if you over accommodate an anxious sure. child, you know, they, they don't learn those coping mechanisms. And right. um, you, have to, you, you have to be careful in like knowing like how far to push them. 
But I so agree. I think letting our kids fail is like the best lesson we can do. I think as long as you have the right mindset, I think sometimes dads are kind of like, uh, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And, you know, and so it's coming, the intention is coming from a bad place versus right. I'm going to build up your resiliency, like you're saying, and I'm not going to catch you every time you fall so that you know how to, you know, balance and you know how to get back up. Like it's so important. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I mean, my seven-year-old last school year, she called me from the nurse and it was horrible. I'd hear her cry and mom, come get me, come get me. You know, and if I picked her up, I, I better get cozy with that idea because I'd be picking her up every single day for the rest of the school year. Instead, it's like, you got this, talk to the nurse, you know, and sometimes for anxiety, that's even more important because they have to experience that and then develop their coping mechanisms. Right. Their coping mechanism yeah. is mom and dad. I know. That's gonna isn't, be parenting, isn't parenting easy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like such an easy topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, we're kind of bored with there's just nothing going on. So yeah, it every day is something new. Um, you know, it, it it is. It's pretty amazing that you know, and especially like you said, is you sort of relive all these different things that you've gone through and trying to not to not to repeat and not for that not to happen again and to go to switching it up and changing things. And so yeah, I'm. I'm pretty conscious about that stuff and trying to make sure that, you know, they learn in the best way that they can and that I'm here to coach them along. And I, and I often say that, that for me, when I started thinking myself as a coach rather than a parent, um, that really shifted my, my parenting style. You know, I really began to um, think of it as as learning and teaching and doing it rather than like the discipline and all, yeah. all the stuff that people think about with parenting. That stuff's not that important to me. Yeah. You know, it's, hey, this happened. All right. So what can we do about this? Or what do you think we should do? Or, you know, the, it's just this switch in your head of like, how can we, how can they teach, how can they learn? And what's the best way to do that? And how can I teach them? Yeah, and I think so- having that coach mentality, that can really speak to a lot of parents and, and especially men. I know like I totally agree with you when I'm thinking of myself as a teacher, um, you know, for me, then I don't get as angry because I'm like, oh, okay, there's, there's a life yeah. lesson in this. I can make this a life lesson or I can lose my cool. Like which one do I want to pick? So what do you mean you can't find your shoes? Like how, how do you not know where your shoes are? <laughs> They're on your feet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. But I think if dads, I don't, I don't think dads are as comfortable sharing their anxiety experiences with their kids. And if, if they could not only identify and empathize, which I think some dads I work with do, like they, they get it. They see a mini me in front of them, but then I try to let them know, like, that's, that's a tool Like you can, you don't want to over identify to the point where you're talking about yourself 24 seven and your kids like got the Charlie Brown, like want, want, want look, you know, but to say, anxiety runs in our family. Like, look at me, I'm successful, you know, and I'm functioning, but it's physiological. It's just like diabetes. So this is what I felt that way when I was a kid. And this is what I did. And I feel like boys especially would be like, okay, like my dad has this and he, I look up to him. And so I can listen to him. He's not just talking at me. Yeah. Yeah. No, the talk from the experience share is much more powerful. I mean, when you can yeah. when you can talk about an experience that you've had and relate it to what they're going through, and I, just something the other day, I, I just said that I said, "Well, you know what? I remember when this happened. My son was was like, really? You you did that?' I'm like, "Yeah, no, I I totally understand. 
you know, I had that same thing happen and they get it and they feel like they're being heard. It's empathy, which is my, you know, empathy is the most important thing in parenting, in my opinion. And, um, that just, that is a clear, you know, display of that. And so with anxiety, it definitely helps. Yeah. Well, it humanizes you as a dad. Cause I think some dads, not all dads, um, are, are dehumanized because they're so proud. They have this, this role that they have and they don't want to show any weakness. And I think to, to be vulnerable and say, Hey, when I was a kid, that happened to me. And then re- redirect it back to them. Kids have a very short attention span for like when I was little. <laughs> my daughter, my seven-year-old loves my stories, thank goodness. But everybody else, you know, you get that whole. But I think it, it humanizes you. And then you, you have more creds. They're kind of like, you know what? He kind of knows what he's talking about. He's not right. just talking at me. Like he actually has been through this. So maybe he does have something good to say. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I think dads need to start doing that. So if any dads are listening, you just have to start doing that. <laughs> So you have some awesome parenting advice, not about anxiety, you know, but lots of other things too. What kind of stuff do you talk about at Dad University? You know, we, we cover a wide range of topics. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the, obviously, the dads who are new have the most, or they're the loudest, I should say. They have the most yeah. questions. Um, and so a lot of the videos and things we do are, you know, first time dad, some of the experience as a new parent. Um, but we, we deal with all the topics related from, you know, the marriage and some of the things that happen as a, as a dad and how that changes uh, sometimes the dynamic and, and tips that you can do all the way down to talking about grief and dealing with, uh, you know, a, a grandparent who's aging. You know, our topics, it really does range. And you know, like I said, a lot of it started from all these things that I was going through and looking for answers, you know, Hey, I'm experiencing this or, Hey, this is what I learned. I know that there's people that could benefit from this. Uh, you know, I made these mistakes, you know, um, so I can write, make a video, you know, five parenting mistakes to not make, you know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it kind of stemmed from that. And then as we've grown and and the demands increase, you can kind of see where the audience, um, you know, kind of audience goes. I just, I just did last week a video specifically for dads and daughters and it's, it got a lot of feedback, you know, a, a lot of dads. Wow. Oh, wow. That was a specific, you know, because it was a specific thing for daughters. And so yeah. they really love that. So there seems to be an endless supply of material. Oh, um, totally. Never- yeah, I'm never I'm never short for topics. It's basically like, okay, what what else do we need to focus on? And then um, you know, we talk a lot about empathy, we talk about just getting involved and and basically changing the narrative as I said in the beginning. Yeah. Um you know, a lot of the dad resources have a tendency to be, you know, maybe humorous, um poke fun at themselves, which I'm okay with. I mean, I, there's value and there's a market for that and and Hey, I, it's entertaining. Um, but a lot of what I'm trying to do is, is change the narrative a, a bit and, you know, know that you can be really into parenting. You can be really into, um, you know, mindfulness and you can still be okay and be cool and be a good person. And, you know, um, my wife still thinks I'm masculine and, yeah. you know, it, it's all okay. Right. So, you know, you can be all of those things. and. Yeah. And not necessarily, yeah. So that's that's the gist of it. 
Yeah. People should check it out. It's a great YouTube channel. Um, I've been watching them. I think they're really good. So I'll leave a link below where people can find it or they yeah. can, um, you know, just Google, I guess on YouTube. Yeah. All the social channels. I mean, we're, we're on all the social channels. So any of them are fine or the website daduniversity.com too. Yeah. Yep. I'll leave links for all of those and daduniversity.com so that they can find you. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason and definitely check out his website, his podcast, and his YouTube channel at daduniversity.com. So if you're enjoying my show, you can show your appreciation by clicking a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. If you have an extra few minutes, I always appreciate when people take the time to leave a review and let other parents know what they value about this podcast. And to show my gratitude and appreciation, I always like to end my show reading some of them. So I do need to catch up. So I have a few to read. Um, I want to say thank you to S.S. Snyder. She wrote, I have learned so much from Natasha. I have two kids who struggle with anxiety and sensory issues, and I have anxiety myself. Natasha has helped me so much in my parenting. Thank you. Well, I'm appreciative of the fact that you left a review. I totally get how having your own anxiety can be a struggle on top of things. So thank you for that. I also want to say thank you to lab 444 who said real and authentic. Natasha is super insightful on ways to interact with children and yet very honest about where she struggles and at times fails. This is helpful because so many of us want to be perfect parents. And when we fail, it can create shame. This podcast gives realistic goals for sure. I really like that review because that's a big part of my style is to be very raw, very real, and very vulnerable and share my fails so that um, we're all in it together. So I appreciate that you noticed that and that you enjoy that part of the podcast. So if you have something to add, please feel free to leave a comment. As I said, I greatly appreciate it. And maybe I'll be reading your review next time. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. And maybe I'll see you at this week's OCD conference. You never know. Come up and say hi to me. I'll be the socially anxious one trying to avoid eye contact. (laughs) No, maybe not. I'm improving. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm a mom of a daughter with OCD. I live in South Africa. Um, And it's a country that doesn't have a lot of resources for children's mental health and specifically OCD. really was at my wit's end on how I'm going to support my child, how I'm going to do ERP, how I'm just basically going to, to parent a daughter with OCD in a country that has little to no resources. And at times it got just debilitating for us as a family and I was super lonely, um, people weren't listening, I didn't have any support. The AT community has been an absolute lifesaver. Natasha has been instrumental in the past few months in helping us set up ERP challenges, going through them step by step, being supportive each and every step of the way. Joining the AT parenting community has been one of the best things I could have done for me and my family. Uh, Natasha has built this community and it is exceptional. I've learned so much, the support is fantastic. It's it's just been life-changing for my daughter. Um, it's so nice to be able to ask her live questions in office hours. She's there, she responds. Uh, her live videos every week where she asks us what we need her to talk about. 
Uh, also her forums, again, where you can ask questions. She's on there all the time. She is very present. The resources she has had provided, the worksheets, uh, there are so many things in this AT parenting community that are beneficial. Natasha gives you so much of her time and her expertise. She's there to answer your questions, so it's such a personal way of getting help and support when it's much needed. Personally, the community has helped me because I feel like I needed my support. And then you have the added bonus of this fantastic community of parents who are going through such similar things and suddenly you're empowered and have ways of accessing help and making a real difference to your family. And also just the support of all the other moms and dads, it's really good, you know, we laugh together, we cry together, we fail together, we succeed together, um, and, and everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, and it's such a nice community to be with, and I hope you join us. You won't be disappointed. Try it out. To learn more about how you can become a member of the AT Parenting Community, go to atparentingcommunity.com. Thank you.